2: This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Marenzi. Let's roll. Level 3 has begun, begun, begun. As The Buffalo Bills meltdown is now complete uh, this evening in western New York. Different year, same old song and dance, as Aerosmith uh, once uh, said, same old song and dance over and over and over again. It really is incredible. How the Buffalo Bills franchise over the years has managed to lose games in the way that they do. Like there's, it's one way to lose a game. It's another way to like lose in in crazy in in crazy ways. And you know, the Buffalo Bills lost a Super Bowl because they were, they know, they missed the, the the field goal, right? Just barely missed. The the Music City Miracle that could have been maybe was a forward pass wasn't was it, was it what other either way the 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 Dallas Cowboys on Monday night once in Buffalo years ago the Bills blew like a twenty five point lead and lost on a last second field goal I could go on it really is incredible the different ways that they find to lose games and this game this this is a new one. As somebody who's watching the Buffalo Bills play pretty much every one of their games since 1977, I'm sort of hardened to this, right? Like play like the third, no the 13 second one. How about I even get to the, like there's so many of the 13 second one. They they're up on a they managed to lose in 13 seconds left, right? Like I can go on and on and on. I'm sort of you know I've been a fan for so long that I've seen it all. Right, I've seen them good. I've seen them bad. I've seen the pain. I've seen it all, and now we're really back to a bad time once again. Shout out to everybody joining us on SiriusXM, Channel One Five Nine. This is this is Sports Rage on the Sports Grid Radio Networks. I am Gabriel Brats. We're going to welcome our AM radio affiliates momentarily. The Denver Broncos don't look now, but the Broncos are suddenly four and five. We can focus in on the Buffalo Bills and their underachieveness, but. The the Denver Broncos deserve credit. They've been playing good football. And I don't think we should be shocked that they won this football game. They just beat the Kansas City Chiefs in their last game. Right? If you look at the the Denver Broncos, they beat the Kansas City Chiefs by double digits. They beat the Chiefs pretty convincingly. Right? They they also played a close game with the Chiefs. They played the Chiefs twice in like a three-week three week span, lost a close one, and then beat them. They beat the Green Bay Packers. Now they beat the Buffalo Bills. It's pretty obvious that anybody that watches football that Russell Wilson looks better now than he has, right? The, the throws, the mobility, the decisions in the pocket. It's pretty clear that the Denver Broncos' morale is much better than it was, right? It's, you know, you see with the Raiders, and we'll get into this. Mo Khan's going to join us at level three here. This is the tough part. This is the one thing of being a uh, a radio and TV and a sports talk show host. Listen, it's awesome. You're doing what you love, and I can't complain. I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here talking about sports, but every once in a while, you get this sort of like tough, tough loss as a fan. And you know, do you really want to talk about this over and over? <laughs> it happened to me early in my career. I started the show in 2002, and um, It was the Tom Brady Super Bowl against the uh, against the Rams, the St. Louis Rams, Kurt Warner, and the the Rams were like fourteen point favorites in the game. They were big favorites. They were like they were two touchdown favorites, right? The Patriots were an upstart team. Who's Tom Brady? And the Rams are going to kill him. And it was the first my first show like coming on, and I was only on. I was on once a week, like when I started. And I was on Sunday night, so I was coming on after the Super Bowl, and I was all stoked. It's my first show on right live after a Super Bowl. And I got murdered in that game. I lost so much money. <laughs> I had to do a show right after, and I was like, wow, I got to sort of separate, you know what I mean? I can't, you know. And so over the years, it really started to happen a lot, right? Like, I remember when I was the host of the Expos postgame show, sometimes I'd bet against them. And the other team would come back and win, and I'd be taking all these callers that are all super excited, and I'm actually really upset because they just lost a massive bet. So, you know, you've got to deal with it. <laughs> right? It's a cold world. We just live in it. But from, you know, it's just devastating from a betting standpoint, but from a fan standpoint, I was thinking about it, and I was watching the Buffalo Bills tonight, and it's almost like we'll use Mount Everest as an example. So it's like the Buffalo Bills climb Mount Everest and they're they're passing everybody else and everybody else is like, man, those guys are great climbers. They're a lot better than we are. This is unbelievable, look at those guys. And right now the Bills are like those those climbers that are like, you know, knocking on heaven's door. They're running out of oxygen. <laughs> they climbed it too fast and they're stuck at the second peak before the top. You know what I mean? That That's the Bills, they're stuck they're stuck and they're not they're not like climbing slow they're stuck and now other people are climbing them and they're out of breath and it's not pretty to watch this team is is falling apart right now to lose in the fashion that they just did all right we're going to welcome our AM radio affiliate right now this is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Moran. See the pips, the players, the hustlers, the people of hustler, and everybody else in between. Let's do this thing. The in that Meltdown has it begun West Coast style. Shout out to everybody joining us on the mighty 1090, the 50,000-watt uh, juggernaut up and down the coast, SoCal in the house. Let's uh, do this thing. It's the Buffalo Bills and the Denver Broncos. Weird game uh, tonight in western New York. Although there was nothing weird about it from the Buffalo Bills' uh, perspective. Just another weird, strange loss for a Buffalo Bills football team that suddenly finds himself with the same record as the Las Vegas Raiders. Suddenly finds themselves with the same record as the Indianapolis Colts. Suddenly, the Denver Broncos, who are the laughingstock of the National Football League, Well, they've got one less win than the Buffalo Bills do uh, right now. The Buffalo Bills get the New York Jets up next. It's one thing to lose a football game, and clearly the Buffalo Bills, they were seven-and-a-half-point favorites. They should have won this football game. And we're talking about a football team that had a lead on the Kansas City Chiefs with 13 seconds left and found a way to lose. Well, they just found new ways to lose uh, this evening. You know, it really is, the, the Buffalo Bills, they're like a, it's like a horror movie that you think you know the ending, but they've made like 99 alternative endings. It's like, well, I've already seen this movie. I know how it ends. You'd be like, no, no, this is a different ending. And either way, there's, it's the same result, all right? <laughs> either way, it's the same result. For the Buffalo Bills to get Russell Wilson into the 3rd-and-10 situation after a sack. As good as Russell Wilson played tonight, he gives up a terrible sack. The Buffalo Bills blitz again. Russell Wilson throws up just this ball to nobody in the air. There's a pass interference penalty on the Bills because, of course, why wouldn't there be? The Denver Broncos attempt to kick the game-winning field goal, miss – a 41 yarder after they've already missed an extra point off the upright and muffed the
3: snap of an extra point and the bills lose to them too many men on the field sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
0: You don't need a lot of money to do more with it. Join Padma Lakshmi, Viola Davis, and Fidelity's Women Talk Money team during our free Women's History Month series as we get real about ways you can start planning and saving for the future you want so you can feel good about your money every step of the way. Save your seat today at fidelity.com WHM. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services. Member NYSE SIPC. I
2: don't know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. This is Sports Ridge. I am Gabe and The supplies the hostels, the people to the bus, and everybody else in between. There's a lot of stuff to unpack. Uh, we've been in Monday Night Football uh, mode uh, this evening, a wild football game in western New York this evening, sees the Denver Broncos beat the Buffalo Bills 23-22 as the Buffalo Bills had too many men on the field for a missed field goal attempt. And it was a chaotic field goal attempt to begin with. And the Denver Broncos missed an extra point. Like, if you're the Buffalo Bills, you just turned the ball over four times and lost the game on a last second field goal by one point to a team who missed an extra point off the upright, missed an extra point because of a bad snap, and then missed a field goal. Like you know, you want to talk about bad special teams. It's not like the Broncos, like, that's what's so horrific. Like you just lost to a team that missed a forty one yard field goal. Let's bring in Mo Khan. Uh, right now, and I would say, and Mo TSN stats um, was was a wide receiver, a uh, football player, meteorologist, uh, play-by-play man. Um, I would say that I can't believe it, but this is the same team that lost a football game with 13 seconds left, kicking off somehow. This you know, so this is it's not this we've seen it over and over. It's hard to even keep up with the different ways that they've lost. Some of them against other great teams tonight yeah. to lose, to have too many men on the field. The only time I've ever seen that before to happen in that circumstance was in the Grey Cup championship when the Montreal game, yeah. Duval, former Auburn Tiger, Montreal Alouette kicker, missed a field goal for the win for the Montreal Alouettes against the Rough Riders in a championship game. And same thing, the Rough Riders had too many men on the field. They took the kick. Uh, he did the kick over again, and they won. It's an incredibly heartbreaking and ludicrous way to lose a football game. Mo, how you doing tonight? What were your thoughts on, on, on that game? We'll get to McDermott and Allen and everybody in a second, but the actual game itself, what did you think?
1: Yeah, it was cool. what's going on, Gabe? Um, well, first off, this game reminded me—if you remember—in two thousand and seven, the Cowboys Bills Monday Night game, right? When yeah, the Cowboys I was had the walk-off. Right, I, was I remember that, that. and I, I and remember not that I was I at right? that
2: game. I was literally in the end zone in like the third <laughs> row, like the ball hit the net right in front of me, type of deal, Mo. Yeah, I was right. there for that. That's what I'm saying.
1: Right. That, that, that's at that level of like, you know, this turns a franchise in the wrong direction. And you look at this game from the first play to the last play, it was a comedy of errors for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, we were talking off air about what happened having 12 men on the football field. Well, the yeah, real they fumbled is- the
2: first. The, first the, the, Bills, the Bills got the ball to start the game. The first play of the game, they dumped off a screen pass to James Cook. He fumbled the ball
1: from the, yeah. the first play of the game. Right, and the rule of thumb is, before special teams play will happen, the captain of that unit will count how many guys are on the football field. So there's two bleep ups by the staff who counted the guys going on the field and whoever the captain is who didn't count properly. So that cost the bills, this football game, in terms of the conclusion. But the overall body of this game, Gabe, I I wonder why Ken Dorsey deviated from the running game from the get-go because you're talking about the Broncos who aren't a strong run defense, but very good in the pass defense. And you saw what happened with Stephon Diggs. He only had five targets for 34 yards and three catches. But the reality is they could have established the running game much more. I know they got scared with what James Cook did on the first play, but guess what? You have to go back to him. And you saw he was a bit glitchy with the football in his hands when he got the handoffs in the the second half of that matchup. I just thought that Josh Allen did not read the football field well. I think full credit has to go to Vance Joseph, the Broncos defensive coordinator who had a great game plan. By saying to Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey, well, beat us with a pass that goes beyond 10 yards. And Josh Allen could not do that on Monday night. And now you go into the final seven games game, and we both said off air, they got to go 5-2 and two to get to 10 wins and maybe get into the wild card, given how well the AFC North is. And maybe just maybe the Raiders and others get back into the wild card races themselves.
2: Uh, I said 23-22, 24-22. I'm exasperated. Like I'm like, I can't believe, like, either way, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, my bad, 24, 24, uh, 22. I'm actually seeing a highlight over here. Like, I just – and and at home, too, Mo. And at home, that's another thing, too. Like, just, for, you know, to do this to your fans on a Monday night after losing to the Bengals, it's just – it's over and over. The DeMar Hamlin game last year, the playoff game, they've been flat. Now, let's – so now getting to the real stuff here – you look at you look at their they score twenty six point seven points a game or whatever coming into tonight. It was technically ranked seventh. Yet they're not they're not really the seventh best offense in the NFL. Right? It was deceptive. They had a big output against the Raiders, they had a big output against the Commanders. You talked about Ken Dorsey, the erraticness, the lack of identity on offense, the week to week, different, the lack, and the thing you just nailed it too. The inability and the refusal of Dorsey and McDermott to attack other teams' weaknesses, Mo. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, okay, listen, this week, this this team's not very good against the pass. Let's unleash it and have Josh throw it 40 times. And, okay, Denver can't stop the run. They seem to panic because Cook fumbled, and they handed it off, and they fumbled. But still, you don't abandon it because of that. And we saw even Latavius Murray would look good when he had the football. I, I, it's pretty clear. I had a problem with Ken Dorsey last year. I was like, okay, we'll see. Maybe now in a second year, he'll be more comfortable. No, it's getting worse. Then how many times, Mo, have you just scratched and like wondered what the hell was that play call? Like, why, why, you know, why would you do that? So Josh Allen isn't playing great. Dorsey isn't helping. Dorsey to me definitely has to go. I'm not saying tomorrow at the end of the year, whatever. They need a new offensive coordinator. Now we get to Sean McDermott. At some point, that conversation has to be had, doesn't it, Mo? Because I
1: think it will. But it's the, the, you
2: can't—you can't get rid of fifty-three people. And the other thing is, my—I'll throw it to you. But my deal is yeah. the lack of emotion and passion with the football team. So it's one thing to be losing. There's no life. There was no life against the Bengals in that playoff game. Josh Mc—Josh uh, uh, Allen's not having fun. You see. You know, even after the Jet loss in the first game of the year, he had, like, a nervous breakdown after the game, right? It's not Diggs' fault. Diggs is trying to light a fire under people all the time. Have they tuned McDermott out? And forget about tuning it out, because that's more of a hockey thing about the room. From an X and O standpoint, McDermott's defense gets beat over and over again. And I don't want to hear Milano and Trey White aren't there.
1: Yeah, no, like, you said it before the top of the hour. They sent two full breach blitzes when the Broncos told Russ, hey, if it's in the house, they are still up there because Jerry Judy will beat his release offline, which he did. And, and it's poor it was poor marking by the Buffalo Bills secondary because they panicked because they didn't expect Russ to throw up offline here to be a pass interference call. And and that's the thing about Sean McDermott though, Gabe, right? You know he I believe the Broncos gave him a new deal, I think last year it was and now are they willing to eat that salary? And I think they will because, again, Gabe, they're at a point now where they're going to have to be reload because Stefan Diggs probably won't be there next year. Right now, I believe they're $9 million over the cap as we speak. Um, their their online is, is atrocious. And I've pointed this out to you for the last you know, 24 months, if not three years, that they cannot pass block or run block for this team. And they had a good chance to run block today. Which as we said before, Ken Dorsey refused to do so. And this thing now for them moving forward here is this that with seven games left, the season season's not over, but at five and five, if they can go five and two and get themselves in the wild card, then maybe they are a tough route being a road team than being a home team. But there's no question right now for Sean McDermott though. He has to take a long, serious examination of himself and his staff on whether or not they are the proper people in place that can lead this team to prosperity, which has not been the case the last couple of years.
2: And the problem the problem is the Bills just consistently lose close games. It's always, I can't believe that happened, or I can't believe this happened, but it constantly happens, right? And you know, and like, a good example is Josh Allen. Josh Allen was 0-5 in overtime like coming in his year. Like, has he won an overtime game? Josh Allen's never won a road playoff game before. Like,
3: there's a lot more sizzle to stake here.
0: Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
4: Doors take us to summers away. Or winter adventures. And afternoon getaways. Your dedicated Fidelity advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential because doors were meant to be opened. Visit fidelity.com slash wealth, investment minimum supply, Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC.
0: I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner, too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like
2: a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.
1: This is SportsRage.
2: I am Gable Maranci. Uh, Man, I'm just I'm still in shock about the Buffalo Bills. I apologize. I said 23-22, 24-22. Either way, the game stayed under, so it doesn't really matter. (laughs) But I'm I'm just sort of like, it's disappointing as a lifelong Bill fan. And we'll we'll get to more positive uh, stuff at other teams. There's a lot of teams kicking ass, including Mo Khan's Raiders, and we know we've got a lot of Raider fans watching and listening. But um, as far as McDermott is concerned, it's always tough when you're a team that's good, right? When you're a team that's good, but you're not good enough. Because it's one of those deals like, wow, like the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Bills have a lot of similarities, I always find. Like, they've you know, they haven't won it forever. They're good. They're close all the time. They have stars on their team. So it's sort of like if you're the Leafs, like, well, we're not going to get rid of Austin Matthews. He's really good. We're not going to get rid of Mitch Marner. He's really good. Yet, we don't win. We've never won. We don't win with these two, but they're too good to get rid of. I'm not saying that, and the Bills are not getting rid of Josh Allen. So the question really is, and I'm not one of these people, Mo, that after a loss and all emotional, fire everybody. You know what I mean? All right, cuz yeah, who you hire? What you know, I mean, like it's fans overreacting or stupid. I get that. But it is a conversation that needs to be had as far as the constant close losses, which that that's, that falls on the coach, mo. Point blank. Right from McDermott not wanting yeah. to squib kick it against the, the Chiefs. To constant to his constant, you know, what about, you know, blaming Leslie Fraser essentially? I'll take over the defense. I'll show you guys it's worse. Right? You know what I mean? And, oh, Matt Milano's not there. So what? The Sky Falls? I understand he's not there. Fine. But the constant close losses, and they always say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And McDermott doesn't adapt ever. Like, he doesn't adapt in-game. He shows up with his game plan. That's the game plan on defense. And he's going to go with what he does offensively, who knows what the hell they're going to do. They're all over the place. They're erratic. And whatever works they stop doing, it's a freaking mess. Let's just call it out for what it is. And on the other side, let's give credit to Denver, who have now beaten Kansas City and Buffalo in back-to-back games.
1: Yeah, the Bills are like that boy band that's playing their hits from like five years ago in today's society, right? They haven't really adapted and come up with new stuff. And I I think now for McDermott, you're you're absolutely right about him not being – adaptive to what he has. He's very frugal with his game plans. and doesn't really adjust on the fly. And, you know, look, again, it goes back to maybe his philosophy that you think about Leslie Frazier. I mean, he took the year off, but pretty much he's a scapegoat, right? But they played better under Leslie Frazier when it comes to the statistical department for the Buffalo Bills defense. But the amount of investment that they did, right? You bring a Von Miller... Who does not look anywhere close to where he was before the injury last November, Gabe? And you saw today that, you know, his pass rushing skills were very limited, and maybe he gets better as you get more reps in at some point here. But where was Greg Rousseau, right? It was AJ Epineza that got the sack on Russell Wilson. But you invested highly in these high end draft picks, Ed Oliver included, but these guys were nowhere to be found today. And Russell Wilson had a fantastic game. I mean, he was, what, 24 for 29. I was very a um, game manager like level of quarterback success that he had out there, and he improvised when he got flushed out of the pocket. So I just think that all the Bills did not look like they were prepared as much as they should have been for the small details, and the Broncos were, and that's where they won that football game. Think about it now, Gabe, right? The two field goals, late in the first half and then the one at the end of the fourth quarter, right? They weren't panic at all. They had their time. They got the field goal units on out there and made the kicks. The Buffalo Bills, if that was the other way around, probably would have panicked and bleaked up at some point during those kicks if it was them in that position. So this thing now for them moving forward here with the Jets coming up, you're playing a top-five NFL defense in the New York Jets here, and you saw what they did on Sunday night against the Raiders where they almost won that football game. If they get – the Jets, that is. If they get the, if the Jets get 20 points in that football game, they probably beat the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo on Sunday afternoon.
2: And one thing that we always hear all the time, and you just talked about it, about being over the cap – you look at these other teams that are super aggressive and bringing players in and just going all in all the time, and the Bills are more systematic about it. But how is it? Like, why? Like you, and this is on Bean. Like, why? Why are they so over the cap? Like, who, who did you pay? You know what I mean? Like, if you look at the Bills team, who you look at other teams and they have multiple stars, multiple star. Like, who's worthy of getting all this money on the Bills? So Josh Allen gets paid. And Stephon Diggs gets paid.
1: Yeah, Trey Trey. Trey Javis got paid as well. Milano got paid. Yeah, pretty
2: good. Yeah, you yeah, know, but that's what I'm yeah. saying.
1: So like Oliver, yeah. so what,
2: enough that you spent your entire cap on these guys? That's bad management. Right? Yeah, it's it's a train well, it's wreck. So card. just for the record. But they're not, they're never in on anybody. Right? Whenever someone like really is available, they're never really aggressive about it. They never really try. They need another wide receiver. Gabriel Davis is not they good do. enough. They'll like Stephon Diggs is game. good. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Davis is a number three, Mo. You were a wide receiver. He's a number three. He's not number yeah. two. You know, one good game yeah. against Kansas City in the playoffs years ago. And it was a great analogy by you, right? That they they're living in the past. The Bills have a bad tendency to overvalue their own talent as well and not recognize. Like I said, they send the same guys out and they expect different results. So listen, if the playoffs started today, all right, or if the playoffs started this week, let's say the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC are the one seed uh, with a seven and two record. The Houston Texans would be in the playoffs. The Texans that'd would be, be the be, seven seed, and would be play your the Bills is, game on Saturday. Yeah, and would be the first one for sure. The Bills, yeah. the Bills had an opportunity to knock them out. Would they would have been in this spot, right? But no, of course yeah. not. They they screwed it up. So the Texans, five and four, the seven seed, would be in Baltimore. Seven and three, the two seed, the Cleveland Browns would be the six seed against Jacksonville, and the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, who are, might be the worst six and three team in the history of the NFL, but they are six and three, would play the Miami Dolphins. So as far as this uh, this AFC picture is pretty wild, and never mind that, just that, like looking at the standings right now in the AFC, man. So. Miami six and three. Buffalo five and five. You got everybody in the AFC North with good records, but they all play each other. They're going to start losing games.
1: On Thursday, at least night, the, especially.
2: Yeah, two of them. Two of them will. They they all play each other this weekend. Yeah. Suddenly, look, Indianapolis don't suck. They're five and five. Houston suddenly are good. They're five and four. Jacksonville, six and three. Your Raiders are five and five. This is going to be a wild month of December coming up, man, for the playoffs to get into the AFC mo.
1: Yeah, and don't forget, this might be one of the best weekends for the NFL because Vegas plays in Miami. You talk about the AFC North teams going at each other. Those AFC games will be very sumptuous to watch on the weekend. And the thing is, Gabe, you mentioned the Pittsburgh Steelers in particular, right? Terribly, they're awful from a stats perspective, but why are they 6-3? and three? Because of the coaching from Mike Tomlin, the in-game adjustments. If the Bills had a Mike Tomlin, the Bills would be uh, a lot better than what they are at 5-5. Five five. They probably would have been 8-2. and two and in, in reality, game we spoke about it last week. The Bills could have easily could easily be three and seven with that Giants and, and Buccaneers game at home, which they they almost lost, right, with the Hail Mary and the non PI call that didn't go fair for the New York Giants. So I think right now for the Buffalo Bills, they have to look at themselves in the mirror. They've had a lot of primetime games, so the eyeballs have been on them in terms of how they've been playing, which has not been good football. But now you get the New York Jets on the weekend here. What will be the game plan for Ken Dorsey? Because that front seven for the New York Jets are monstrous. They're fast, and they come off the ball really quickly here. And if they get to Josh Allen early and often, and remember that Allen has not played well against the Jets for many years since he's come to the NFL. He's gotten hurt against them, didn't play well in week one on Monday night football. If they get to him early and often, uh, this could be a very long game for this Bills' offense. And as, as I said before, if the Jets can produce 20 points somehow, somewhere, they probably win this football game over the Buffalo Bills.
2: Mo Conkite with us, I am Gabriel Morency. What do you think, Mo, to Thursday night, or speaking of playing good football, the Baltimore Ravens are playing good football at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals coming off the heartbreaking loss to the Houston Texans uh, yesterday. The Ravens are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Total is 46. We actually have a real game on Thursday night. Uh, Amazon, which is rare. Uh, Very rare. So, yeah, Bengals. Listen. Al Michaels has taken a lot of heat and stuff for not being excited enough. And I understand a little bit. I think it is true. But at the same point in time, he get, they get a lot of really, 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 really bad games and bad teams. So it's hard to be fired yeah. up about nothing. This is a game to get fired up about. I would expect Al to be like, Al's going to have a little uh, extra jump in his step that he's actually got something to work with. Uh, Bengals and Ravens, what's your pick uh, here? Who do you like? Ravens are three and a half point yeah. favorites.
1: Yeah, Michael might look like Josh Allen with some of the throws, right? Those fastballs he had. But I think, like this game is gonna be is gonna be intriguing because of the Bengals defense. Okay, the, the Bengals defense did not play well against the Texans on Sunday at home. And we'll start from is the linebacking core, Logan Wilson, and what he does. Because you think about how deceptive this Todd Munkin offense is for the Baltimore Ravens, with a lot of misdirection, a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of uh, RPOs. If Logan Wilson can get his defense aligned properly here with the front four and the linebackers in particular, they can make this a lot trickier for the Baltimore Rams who are a bit banged up themselves. They're not healthy as as anyone else is at this point of the year, Gabe. I will take the Bengals to win this game outright because Joe Burrow on the road is a lot better than Joe Burrow at home. I think they have the far, horsepower to do so. With the offense has scored points against this Baltimore team. Marlon Humphrey is, is out. That's The secondary is banged up as we speak. So they will put up the points for sure. But what it'll come down to is how does Logan Wilson line up his defense in the front seven? If he wins that chess match with Todd Munkin, Lou Anarumo Anur- as well, the D.C. for the Bengals, that's what it'll come down to if the Bengals' defense plays well. If they do, they win this game in a big one over the Baltimore Ravens.
2: As Mo alluded to, it's an important – and we're starting to get – it's starting to get every week as important in the, in the National Football League now, especially with all these teams with similar records. There's not going to – you know, tiebreakers are going to come into play, conference records, and – yeah, really, really is competitive uh, this year. And we, talk, we talked about the Houston Texans and what C.J. Stroud is doing. Unbelievable. Uh, Kyler Murray came back. And Kyler, you saw the spark that he provided for the Arizona Cardinals. You have Kyler Murray taking on C.J. Stroud uh, this week, which is suddenly an interesting game. Houston Texans are four-point favorites. 47.5 is the total. The Detroit Lions coming off their epic win in Los Angeles are 10-point favorites against the visiting Bears. Cowboys and Panthers will hit the lines and more. We'll talk some college on the other side. This is Sports dot
3: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering: real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's AND, not OR. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com/slash investing in America. Doors take us to summers away.
4: Or winter adventures
0: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.
2: Well, I see Sports SportsGrid has already got a bunch of videos up of me melting down after the, uh, <laughs> watching, watching the game live. I Actually, I just saw it right now, and I was like, what, am I frozen? I was actually in such shock, I didn't move for like 10 seconds. I literally was like, I I thought, I was like, that's man, I cannot believe that. Wow. Wow. All right. And for the record, out of spite, we jumped in on that Cal, Cal Bakersfield over 149.5. It was sailing over. We lost that bet. But then we won that uh, the NBA over that we hit. And did we win this hockey game yet or what? Oh, God, I got under 6.5, and, and it's 5-1 with three minutes left right now. The Avalanche are up 5-1 on the crack and, uh, right now, but we got crack because the Bills lost, but you know what? Whatever, it's time to move forward. And we were just talking about the, some of the games this week, just a quick check. So the Bengals and Ravens are on Thursday night in Baltimore. The Ravens are three-and-a-half-point favorites. The total is 46. We mentioned Kyler Murray is back. He gets the phenom, C.J. Stroud, the runaway rookie of the year. Uh, Houston, four-point favorites. Total forty-seven and a half. The Lions are ten-point chalk uh, at home against the Bears. The total is forty-seven. Cowboys lay eleven on the road in Carolina. The total is forty-two. Chargers are in Green Bay as three-point favorites. Over/under forty-four. The Raiders, two-game win streak here with with Antonio Pierce on the sidelines, but they played the New York Giants and the New York Jets, so now they're gonna get the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are eleven and a half-point favorites. The over-under is 48. Giants are getting 10 against the Commanders, 37. Uh, Me and Mo talked, so big, big games in the NFC North. Pittsburgh Steelers, plus four at Cleveland, over-under 37. Tennessee are six-and-a-half-point road uh, dogs in Jacksonville, over-under 40. San Francisco hosts Tampa as 11-point favorites. The Rams are one-point home underdogs. Matt Stafford will be back. Uh, Seattle, remember the Rams beat Seattle earlier this year. And then you got the uh, the Vikings and the Broncos and the big Monday nighter uh, next week. The Kansas City Chiefs are three-point favorites over the Philadelphia Eagles. Who do you like in that one, Mo? Chiefs and
1: Eagles. Yeah, that's going to be a tricky one. How healthy is Jalen Hurts? Yeah, how healthy is Jalen Hurts? You're playing a top-five NFL defense on the road in Kansas City. Um, what type of schemes will Andy Reid come up? He's 4-0 against the Eagles, right, since he's left Philadelphia in 2013. Um, but I'm curious to know what will be the Eagles game plan on the attacking front. And if Jalen's still banged up banged up Gabe, even coming off the bye week, uh, you know they're gonna pin they're gonna pin their ears back to the, the Chiefs front four and attacking him. And I think right now the biggest weak link right now, which was a perceived strength for them last year, is the Eagles O-line. They've not played well, right? They've been pressurized quite a bit by opposing defenses. So I'm leaning towards the Chiefs to win this football game, and if they, and again, if the Eagles can't get their offense in in, in order before they get the Cowboys, thinking two, three weeks from from today, uh, it can get very dicey for them because their schedule is a lot tougher themselves, like Buffaloes going into their next seven games. So I think right now for of Philadelphia, they got to win this game to kind of give themselves a bit of more of insurance policy before they get the Cowboys uh, in mid, early to mid December.
2: Well, you just said it right there, actually. There are so many big games and teams, good teams, playing against each other over the next month that the standings. There's going to be another cosmic shift with this stuff, you know. So speaking of which, yeah, like I said, there's so many. The Bills are playing all these teams. They'll either bury them or, and put it this way, and it's it's a leap of faith. But let's say the Bills beat the Chiefs and Eagles. Suddenly the Bills are back and they've got, you know, oh my God, they hit a low and all they're you know, what I mean they found themselves and all this. I'm not I'm, maybe it's wishful thinking, but I'm just saying we see it all the time, bro. Every every week in the NFL teams, everybody people are ready to anoint the Niners, the Super Bowl champs in the first month of the season. Then they lose three games in a row, right? Oh, the Bengals are back, Joe Burrow's amazing, and then Houston, you know, suddenly the Houston Texans are five and four. It's a row, suddenly the Broncos, right? The Broncos have won three or four games. It's a roller coaster. This stuff. We play seventeen games, man. And it's going to be crazy to see how this plays out.
1: It really will be because there's so many compelling matches. We we were given the the eyesore games the last couple weeks in prime time, right? But you look at the prime time schedule game from here on in. It's all mouth watering matchups. The Sunday night game coming up uh, next week with Monday night Thursday night football this week. Then we got the Thanksgiving games, which actually have more compelling angles to that, right? For next week's Thursday night football. Uh, for Thanksgiving. So I think there's so many good games coming up here, Gabe, that it's going to be not quarter by quarter, but play by play from here on in that could determine team season or not going towards December. So I cannot wait for these games to unfold in the next few weeks going towards the middle of December.
2: Uh, You're right. Even So this week we've got some really big games here. Bengals, Ravens, super cool. Steelers, Browns, super cool. Raiders, Dolphins, super cool. Um Uh, What else we got? We've got the great Monday Nighter, uh, the Jets, Bills, um, that sort of season on the line type of stuff for both teams. Both teams on the hot seat right now. And as Mo alluded to, the following week, Thanksgiving is already here. And speaking of which, I guess it's a good time to tell you, since I'm cool, everybody's going to be off pretty much. I don't know how I got this uh, gig here, Mo, but (laughs) so basically, we'll be doing, we're going to be broadcasting on Thanksgiving night, Thursday night. we're going to be broadcasting Thursday night, the uh, Thanksgiving night, and we'll be on live during the 49ers and the Seahawks game. So that's the good one there. So the Thanksgiving schedule is Packers at Lions, and it'll be interest about the Lions, Commanders at yeah. Cowboys, and then the 49ers and uh, Seahawks. There's good college football that night too. I think that was Mississippi Mississippi State that night.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: that yeah, the Egg Bowl. So, just for the record, yeah, so we're going to be on, but different different start times, guys. We're going to be starting at 8 o'clock Eastern, and am going to be on until midnight. Four-hour shows on Thursday and Friday, next Thanksgiving. And just a quick reminder, this week, of course, Formula One has arrived in Las Vegas. We're nearly ready to go. Opening ceremonies is Wednesday night. We'll be broadcasting live Thursday and Friday night from the D on Fremont Street. In conjunction with Circus Sports, of course, it's all part of the same, like, you know, block and complex. So uh major uh, Rage announcement will be broadcasting Sports Rage live from the D Las Vegas on Thursday and Friday nights, 7 to 10 p.m. Vegas time. See you there. And uh, we're going to have a lot of uh, guests that come on the show, going to be joining us live down there. It's going to be epic, and we're going to do the Formula One stuff. We'll, we'll cover that, but we're also going to be all covering all these football games and betting on all these games and everything. And of course, college football as well. Washington and Oregon State, big game this week. But Mo, the Michigan Wolverine story, um, old school. How you know? How can anybody not love the Blake Corum picture after him? Blake Corum with his face look like an MMA fighter, look like a UFC fighter, right? I mean, he's got you know bloody face, his jersey's covered in blood. Michigan go in there and beat Penn State, and I'll tell you what, Mo, think about it. And this isn't a criticism of any of these other schools or teams, but what would Alabama be able to win on the road against a top ten opponent if you told them as they were in the air? Oh, by the way, Saban can't coach tomorrow. Uh, If you did this to if if you took uh, DeBoer away hours before the game for watching, like not easy that and pretty seamless. Coach Moore, and you know I get that they're sort of prepared for it and stuff, but. It really is amazing that this Michigan team says, all right, you want to play games with us hours before the game? Fine. No problem. All you do is make us stronger. Now you got this Michigan versus everybody thing going. You got this bet thing going. And suddenly, Michigan, who are kind of like Duke, aren't really you either like them or hate them. People think that, you know, people like the bad guy. People think that Michigan are being picked on, and now it's almost like, I want to see Michigan win now to screw everybody almost. What a win at Penn State and they get past Maryland. Man, we're gonna have one of the games of the centuries, bro, against
1: Ohio State in two weeks. Yeah, thank thank you, James Franklin, for being what he is. He's the Kirk Cousins of coaching <laughs> the Big Ten, right? That's what he is. That's uh, you know, but but this see college football game, they always do well with regular season numbers for T V, right? Yeah,
2: sorry, Mo, I was just <laughs> thinking about uh as a Bill, Bill's fans being all like, just like, this sucks. We're just, it never. Penn State fans got to <laughs> be gutted too, right? Just the same thing. Yeah. You beat everybody, you beat everybody, boom. You You lose to Ohio State and Michigan. You beat everybody, you beat everybody, you beat everybody, boom. You lose to Michigan and Ohio State. It's rinse and repeat.
1: Yeah, they, they butter up against Rutgers and like you know Appalachian State, a uh, And M, whatever it is. But for Michigan though, this is great for TV numbers because they're going to have more eyeballs watching the game. Big noon kickoff on on Saturday against Maryland, then of course the big one against Ohio State the following weekend. If they do come away unscathed and get to the college football playoff four, Gabe, remember what happened the last couple of years with the TV numbers—they were pitiful. But with Michigan involved, that TV number I think will be one of the biggest because they're going to ask themselves, can they win that? The return of Harbaugh. The return of Harbaugh. And and it's a semifinal game. You might be paired up with with Georgia, who knows, FSU, whatever it might be at that point, Oregon, Washington, whatever it is. That game might be one of the highest viewed games on New Year's Day for the college football playoffs. And that's why you want Michigan to be relevant, at least until Ohio State. And if they get by the Buckeyes, you want it to be undefeated because they will bring more compelling storylines and eyeballs towards that semifinal matchup in January 1st.
2: I don't think it's crazy to think that the loser of that game still gets in either, depending on what happens with other teams. It happened last year.
1: Yeah, We've already yeah, seen it depends on how close the loss is, right? Because if Austin gets blown out, then I don't think OSU gets in, right? But Michigan wins by a close draw, like by two, three points. I think Austin definitely keeps their case alive. But you have to look at Oregon and Washington, right? How will they fare? And remember, both those teams have in-state games coming up on Thanksgiving weekend. And remember last year, Oregon State beat Oregon at Corvallis. And in that's the, Apple the more Cup, dangerous you know, one. Washington State a- are
2: very good this year, right? So that's the, da- right. that's the dangerous one this week. And Washington, Mo, they're really good. But you notice the Huskies, they live on big plays right like it's always it's always like oh it's danger danger and oh what a touchdown oh pick six or you know what i mean there's always sort of like a big play saves them it's gonna catch up to them bro and look everybody thinks
1: oregon's gonna beat them in a rematch right and this is the last apple cup and the last civil war right for who knows how long so you know oregon state and, and was are going to want to play their best football against these teams? They're going to bowl for the Big Ten after the season. But just look at a team like Washington and how they fared against Utah. Yeah, they should have lost to the youths, right? They, they had no business to win that football game. So I think Mike, Michael Penix Jr., you know, he's doing what he has to do. But the, the Huskies have holes on their defense that can be exploited. And you wonder now, however far they go in the in the Pac twelve and and in the, the Combs style game at that point, can they get exploited? If they do they might get that, that loss on their resume and may not get in. So I think Washington might be the most vulnerable team going towards the final two weeks, if not three weeks, of the regular season and into the uh, Pac-12 conference title game down the road.
2: And all people need to know about this game, how serious of a threat are the Beavers to the Huskies? The Beavers are one-and-a-half-point favorites. They're favorites in the game. So this, they're, you know, tough, they, think, they're, they're tough. they are, especially they're at tough. home. Like at home, they're good. Yeah. They're good anywhere, but at home, it's sort of special. And honestly, with what, like you said, Mo, the last they—they're the outsiders. They didn't get brought to the party and stuff. This is the last trip for Washington to go there. Washington are undefeated. The Beavers are eight and two. This is a massive. It's like the biggest game ever in Corvallis. Actually, like seriously,
1: it really the is. Saturday We're night totally this is like the biggest game beat.
2: ever. Like the stakes are that high.
1: Yeah, until they play Oregon next week. They can they can wreck two seasons, right, in the span of like two weeks here. Yeah. But you look you look at Jonathan Smith, the head coach of Oregon State, right? I mean, if he does well against Washington, if he does well against Oregon the next couple weeks, he might be on the radar of Texas A and M because they need to get some big name guy, right? It's not a big name cycle this yeah. year, and he might be that guy that can come up in the in the in the ladder for A and M to look at down the road.
2: Everybody is uh, everybody's gonna be on the radar. They're, they're throwing Dan Campbell's name out. You know, Sanders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, oh, uh, you Dan Lanning. That was the other people in Texas. Well, Dan Lanning. Why would he, why is he gonna leave? Like, we'll wrap up Mo. With great,
3: great cup on the other side
0: and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
4: Doors take us to summers away, or winter adventures, and afternoon getaways.
0: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.
2: All right, this is Sports Radio. Right? draw the clock right now. I can't believe, man, this it's hundred quickest 100 minutes of sports talk radio is real. And uh, TV, So Mo, the Grey Cup, good call by you. You called it. You said you think the Alouettes could actually win the game outright uh, last week. I believed in this team. And now you're buying in, but they have a real tough test this week against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Hard to believe, everybody. This is the 110th edition of the Grey Cup championship game. That's right, the 110th edition. Yet yeah, Montreal or Winnipeg have never played each other. Uh, before, which is pretty crazy, because for the most part it was an 18 league nine now, but and we didn't even get to the NBA expansion stuff. Mo, I can't believe time just flew by tonight. We'll <laughs> save that for next week. But yeah. what's your pick for the Great Cup championship game? Winnipeg Blue Bombers are seven and a half point favorites over Montreal.
1: I got the Bombers covering, Gabe. I think Winnipeg's a different animal. Uh, they, too, have been in playoff mode like the Alouettes have been for the last five weeks because they were trying to protect themselves from home field against BC. I just worry the key will be the O-line for the Alouettes. How well can they protect Cody Fajardo in this football game in Hamilton? Uh, that front seven without Adam Big Hill for the Bombers are still potent and devastating, so they cannot protect um, Fajardo. It could be a long day for them. And on the flip side, though, right, You look at Zach Larris did not have his best season in the CFL this year. I think he's saving his best for now, and I think the Alouettes will lose this football game. I think the Bombers win this uh, by a score of 33 to 21 over, or 33 to 23. A big pardon over the Alouettes on Sunday in Hamilton.
2: Interesting. So you think there's going to be some points put up on the board?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think both offenses can put up points. I think both defenses well, Montreal's special team right? is good too, right? They're
2: going to kick off good field too, position right? stuff like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and don't forget, Michael Shea is a special team savant, right? So I think both teams will have uh, uh, impacts from those units. But, but I think they will put up points in this football game. So give me the over and the bombs to cover as well, please.
2: Great, uh, great stuff. Um, oh, I can't believe our time uh, flew by. I wanted to get into a lot more stuff, uh, including Adam Silver throwing out uh, earlier during the broadcast tonight at Nick Celtics that the NBA is interested. He didn't say these cities are interested. He goes, we interested. He goes, we're interested in Mexico City, Vancouver, and Montreal, which means Vancouver
3: and Montreal are going to battle it out. (laughs) Other than that, you're on your own. Later. Peace. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.